welcome to the HSP podcast. I'm Julie Bielent, and today's episode was recorded live in my sensitive empowerment community. And we would love to welcome you there. We do live weekly events, and it's such a great time to connect with each other, sensitive people from all over the world, and learn how to be empowered, how to take care of our sensitive nervous system. We have an amazing HSP library and invite you to join us. You can find all the resources that I offer HSPs on my website, juliebelland.com or sensitiveconnection.com. And that's where you can join the community as well. Hope to see you there. Enjoy this episode. I want to give you a quick update before we start this episode, and that is that I have some free masterclasses coming up that I'd love to invite you to. They're free to register. You'll also get a replay if you register. One is about high sensitivity and anxiety, and one is called Reach Financial Freedom, Growing a Heart-Centered Online Business, and that's for HSP practitioners healers, therapists, coaches, etc., who want to learn how to uh, grow multiple sources of income and just be in a place where you're free so that you can really do the work that you need to do as a healer and take time off to take care of your self-care and things like that. That's important for healers. And I'm going to be available to answer questions after these events. And you can find them, you can register free by going to my website, juliebielen.com or sensitiveconnection.com and click on free resources. And there you will see where it says master classes and you'll get a link to register free. If you can't find it for some reason, definitely just let me know. And yes, there is a replay if you register and you'll get an email reminder and things like that as well. So look forward to seeing you there. Enjoy this event. So welcome everyone. I'm very excited to have you here. I am Julie Bieland and we're recording live in my sensitive empowerment community. And we have a special guest today, Sinead Hello. Fine. Hello. Hi. We're gonna talk about the gift of being an HSP and she is a professional tarot reader. So we're gonna learn a lot today and I'm excited to welcome you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I love it. I mean, this is going to be such an interesting conversation um, to learn about what you do. I'd love to start out just, I always find it so fascinating to hear how HSPs kind of get started. What, what made you get into this and why is it so important to you and how you think it can help HSPs? Well, um, well, what I'm doing now is I have a website called Tower for Women. Obviously, if there's men in the group, you can look at it too. <laughs> And it's basically a place for women to come and learn about their intuition. Because I really, I really feel that if a woman has her intuition and she can tune in to herself with clarity and put the voices in the head aside, she can really have a very empowered life for he also. Just a very direct, empowered life. Wow. And I feel, I feel like a highly sensitive person, people like myself, uh, because we get completely inundated with noise and information and you know all the sensations are heightened 
it can be very, very hard to connect to that really quiet inner voice. So how I came about it was I had to find that voice inside me. It was because I was just so overwhelmed from a very, very young age by everything around me. I was yeah. like, life was too hard. It was too much. I was too sensitive. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of us are relating to that as I am too. I, I love hearing about how people kind of found their way. And it's interesting how you talk about it in terms of uh, intuition too. And uh, yeah. what kind of made you, how did you even get introduced to tarot? Ooh, okay, because I'm Irish, it's going to be a bit of a story. Wow, okay. Um, my great aunt was a professional tea leaf reader in Ireland years wow. ago. She was very famous. So lots of people all around the country used to come to her. And my grandmother taught me how to read the tea leaves. And I found it, it kind of, it wasn't clear enough for me. So then I started dabbling in other things and you know, the normal playing cards. And then I found tarot and I did not understand it. It was too complex. It was too complicated. There was a system to it. And I didn't know at that stage how to listen to that quiet inner voice. Um, and I put the cards aside. And then a few years later, a friend of mine invited me to a body, mind, spirit show. And he said, bring your cards and we'll play with them if it's quiet. And when I arrived, there was a sign saying, Tower readings, five pounds. So I says, oh, you're going to do tower readings. And he went, no, you are. It's the best way to learn. I freaked out. I ran to the toilet. <laughs> and he said, the best way to, uh, to hear that inner voice is just to do it. So I came back. And because he made me the cheapest reader in this body, mind, spirit show, there was a queue. And for three days, I read nonstop for people. And I just, I didn't understand the cards. So I just had to look at the picture and listen to that voice inside. And uh, I did it from then, from like the age of 21. I'm 45 now. Wow, that is so fascinating. It's like you, your, your calling found you in a way. It did. And the thing is, at the time, I was like, well, that's not very professional. You know, it's not a career. So I always did tarot to make me loads of money so I could go and do my degree and my qualifications and my diploma so I could be a professional. But then one day I realized, hang on, the tarot always makes me more money than anything else. And if I put my ego aside about being professional, um, that's, that's what I love to do. It's my passion. I never get bored of it. So yeah. So like I'm qualified as a natural medicine therapist. I was a pediatric homeopath. I'm a herbalist, naturopath, but it always comes back to the cards, the tarot. Wow. Well, you are a great example of sensitive empowerment. I love featuring HSPs who have kind of followed their calling. And even if it's out of the box or it is um, different than other people around you or people are telling you you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. I'm a big believer in, especially for HSPs, that there's something inside of us that is just kind of calling out to be shared. And I love hearing stories about people who have headed down that path and followed that intuition and that guide within yourself to, to do something that you love. And that, you know, what almost always happens when HSP is doing something they love out there, they're helping others. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what's happening, right? You're helping others with what you're yeah. doing. So look, I have, to, I have to be honest, it was not easy. It was really hard because I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on all these qualifications. 
and I had a very busy, successful business trading kids with all these issues and then their parents and the pregnant women and women trying to get pregnant. And I was really successful, but inside there was something saying, it's not your true calling. And I ignored it because like I spent thousands on these degrees and, and I, there was just, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And once I started doing the tarot, it was like, oh my God, it was like relief. I'm doing the right thing. And then, you know, all the feedback from women would be like, thank you so much. But it wasn't easy. It was like a few years of like struggle, you know, against what I should do and what's normal in society and what actually builds me and makes me feel alive. That's it. That's it right there. You just gave me goosebumps when you said that. To what fills you, makes you feel alive. I think that is what we are meant to be doing. What a beautiful story. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of HSPs out there to go for it, to go for what their dreams are and what they feel called to do. Let's start a little bit with um, assuming that there's going to be some people that have no idea what tarot is. So let's kind of start from maybe the beginning a little bit. What would you say to somebody who's listening that has never heard of this, that maybe has an awareness of like a deck of cards, a tarot cards, but doesn't even understand what that is? Okay. So the first thing I say to people is tarot is not a, it's not a culty, it's not scary, it's not a witchcraft or anything like that. It's 78 pieces of cards with pictures on them that was printed probably in a factory in China. There's no magic in the cards whatsoever. The magic is in the, in the person that's reading the cards. That's the first thing I'll say. Now, tarot cards have been around since the Middle Ages, but in the 19th century, some men and women came along and put some occult uh, things on top of it and said, oh, well, it could mean this and it could mean that. But basically it started as a card game in the Middle Ages in Italy. It was just a card game. So, you know, there are people today that use it for the occult, but the basics, it was just a card game. Now, why it's powerful is that it's 78 pictures and each picture has symbols on it and pictures that speak to the unconscious. Because if you think about it, we're speaking for, I guess, thousands of years, but our primary language before we could speak, when we were still in the caves, was symbols. We spoke, we communicated through symbols. And symbols affect us much, much deeper than words. And so when we see a card, a card, you know, like they say, a picture can say a thousand words. So each card can say so many things. And in a tarot deck, you've got 78 cards. And 22 of them we call major arcana, which means, you know, the big cards, like representing love, marriage, death, change, uh, turmoil, birth. And then there's 56 small cards, which are like everyday life. And when you put them together and you lay them out for someone, it tells them where they are. It, it, It tells them where they've come from. It tells them where they could go. Now, I don't believe that tarot predicts the future because the future is not being created yet, but it can show us where we could go. It can show the possibilities. It can show us where we are now, and then it can, you know, bring us to where we would like to go. It's like very empowering. It's like, okay, well, if I choose to stay with this particular man, this is what my future will be like. If I choose to leave him, this will be what my future looks like. So it's just showing possibilities. And then it's empowering the person to make a choice where they want to go. So that's kind of like tarot in a nutshell. There are so many decks out there today. There's thousands of decks. 
whatever you like, I'm sure that there's a deck made about it, like cats, dogs, Celtic, Ireland, space, uh, I don't know, Game of Thrones, if they made it last year, like you name it, there's a, there's a tarot deck. So there's obviously a deck there that will suit everybody if they actually pick one up. And I guess my aim in life is to get as many uh, women and men, but more women, because my website's Tarot for Women, but anybody to pick up a deck and use it as a tool to help them hear that inner voice inside. And that, that's actually how I found my inner voice, by using the cards again and again and again, and then, ah, that's what I'm feeling. That's why I'm confused. That's why I'm feeling overwhelmed. That's why I don't know what to do next. So it kind of just clarified things for me. And now I don't even really need them because I'm so connected to that inner voice. So that's kind of like a little nutshell on, on tarot. That's beautiful. I, I see a lot of people in our community talking about too, that the, they're appreciating the explanation and the definition that you gave. It's very interesting. So if somebody was to come to you, what are some of the things that you hear people come to you and what would that look like? Like when they're uh, contacting you, what would that look like? What would they be saying to you about what they're looking for and how would, would that even work? Okay. It, it's different because when I started years ago, I kind of worked in body, mind, spirit shows and people would come for a 10 minute reading. And then over the years, I really found out who I want to serve. And I really want to serve people that want to empower themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I tend to attract now. I don't tend to attract people that say, tell me the winning lotto numbers. <laughs> like I used to get years ago. I remember one, one woman asking me that and going, well, if I knew them, I'd be, I'd be doing the lotto. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I want to say something that, cause that's really powerful. What you just said that you are attracting what you love to work with. Yes. That is such a big key thing that I hear HSP say all the time to, to get clear about what they love and who they want to work with. And, and it is kind of amazing how it becomes, it, 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 you attract that. And I love that you are interested. That's that's exactly my thing is sensitive empowerment. So I love that you're um, working towards helping to empower people. Thing is, I think anybody that's listening to this, one of the things that I, I know I had a problem with, I'm sure many here, it's boundaries. It's like, where do I end and where does the other person begin? How do I say no? I'm, what I'm feeling now, is it my feeling or their feeling? So how I attract people to me now that I want to serve is because I learned over and over again from mistakes, you know, my boundaries and what's okay and what's not okay and what I'll, what I'll read for and what I won't read for and the questions. So nowadays I tend to get women, mostly women, but men as well, uh, who want to be empowered, who want to know their choices, who want to understand where they're going. So they use it like a tool. You know, like last week I had a woman saying, I've got this business and I want to ask some questions about it and I've got some choices and I want to weigh up the pros and cons of each. And so we looked at each, each, business, each business idea and the pros and the cons and she kind of knew it already, but she just wanted more clarity on it. And I showed her the pictures and of course the pictures can say a thousand words. So I tend to get a lot of women um, that ask about a uh, career, uh, love life, health. I get a lot of women, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s, asking about fertility. Uh, I tend to attract a lot of women that ask about fertility because I had my own fertility journey. I think also women here and men here might find that when you uh, 
have your own experiences, you tend to attract those in as you're going through them as well. Yes. And that's a powerful thing too, because you have the real lived experience. And I think that that's, that's, um, so valuable. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. This is very interesting. I, I, I love that you're doing this professionally on such a big scale in a sense that, and that you've really owned that part of yourself and you're sharing it in such an empowered way. I mean, I think that that's going to, kind of just impact a lot of people listening right now, which is kind of exciting. And Cecilia had a question um, talking about the difference between Oracle decks and tarot. You oh, Okay. So or- Oracle decks can be any number of cards, any kind of pictures. There may be a system, there may not. Tarot will always be the same. It will always have 78 cards. It will always have 22 major, 56 minor. It's a specific structure. So no matter what type of tarot deck you buy, it will always be based on that structure. But oracle decks are very fluid. One deck might have 40, another 60 cards, and it's the creator of the deck that decides what the system is. So a lot of people beginning in the whole cards thing prefer oracle cards because they feel it's more flexible and less, less rigid. Mm, okay, thank you for that. This is really yeah. wonderful. And if anybody in the in the community has more questions, go ahead and ask them because I'm sure that a lot of people listening will have the same questions. You talked about um, intuition, um, a story about that it that tarot helped save your life. Do you want to share a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really big story. It was a very big turning point in my life. Um, a real good example of how, again, people here might know when you have a feeling or a knowing, and then everybody outside said, no, you're not feeling that, you're not thinking that. So it was an example very much of like ignoring the outside and listening to my inner voice. Mm-hmm. And the story is about fertility. And I had, a, I was trying and trying to get pregnant. And the ironic thing was that my business was around children and making women pregnant. And I had no problem helping other women to get pregnant. But for me, it was a challenge. And I had three miscarriages, I lost three babies. And then I uh, went to the doctor and he said to me, you're Irish, why don't you just give up some, why don't you give up gluten? And you know, for me to give up bread and butter, (laughs) it's a very Irish thing. But I said, okay, I'll do that. And I gave up gluten and a month later I got pregnant and I carried the baby. Um, And later on I found out that it's a big, big problem for for women and their fertility, especially if there's a genetic link. So when my, my son was a year old, I got pregnant again. And, you know, we were very excited. And I went into the toilet after I did the test. You know, you do the test on the stick. And my husband and I were laughing and whatever. And then I went into the toilet and something did not feel right. And I, I, I talked myself out of it. I said, oh, it's just because you have a year old baby. You're probably going to be tired. You're overwhelmed. You know, Maybe it felt like it's too fast. Everything will be okay. But each day, the feeling got more and more and more strong. Something wasn't right. And I kept talking myself out of it. And this is me like doing professional readings and using my intuition all the time. But sometimes when it's for yourself, you, you you, you tend to ignore it. And then I was lying in bed one morning and a voice in my head, I have this voice that will, it's my voice saying to me, uh, you have an ectopic pregnancy. It was very clear. And I went, oh, okay. 
and I, I didn't know what to do with the information. So I got up, I got dressed and I went down to the local doctor, to the clinic. And I said, I think I have an ectopic pregnancy. And she went, why? And I said, I just feel. So immediately she started, you know, acting like I was an hysterical pregnant woman. And she lay me down on the table and she pressed here and she pressed there and she said, listen, you have no symptoms. Uh, you're just stressed. Maybe you're overwhelmed, maybe you're tired. And I was like, okay, maybe she's right, maybe she's right. And I went back home. And again, the next day it was that feeling of this is not right. I have an ectopic pregnancy. But the voice was saying, you're crazy. You know, like the two voices. So I went back to the doctor and uh, I said, I have an ectopic pregnancy. And she said, she, she was losing patience with me. She said, okay, lie back on the table. And I know this is terrible. I'm a terrible liar and I hate lying, but I decided to lie. So when she pressed on one side, I went, ow, ooh, ah, because I knew that if I, you know, I felt like I, I had to say that. And she says, okay, okay, this is strange. Let's do a blood test and come back tomorrow and we'll do another one. So when I came back the second day and I did the blood test, she called me on the third day, come back to the office and when you have an ectopic pregnancy, instead of your hormone levels rising, 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 they go up and down. They go up and drop and up and down. So she saw that mine was going up and then there was a drop. She said, I don't know. It could be that you're starting a miscarriage or you have an ectopic. I want you to go to the hospital today. So I go to the hospital. I have no pains, no symptoms whatsoever. And part of me is like, I, I'm, I'm a freak. I'm a freak. <laughs> and my husband was also kind of saying, you know, maybe you're just tired because, you know, your son never sleeps at night. So I go to the hospital and they says, okay, let's check. We'll go and we'll get a scan. But it's the, the, the guy who does the scans not here will do first thing in the morning. So I says, okay, so I'll go home and I'll come back tomorrow. And they went, no, 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 you're not allowed. You, you say you have it. The doctor says you have it, so you have to stay. So I slept for the night. And the next morning, they brought me in at like seven in the morning for this ultrasound. And they're checking away and the guy's really quiet. And then he rings and he said, yeah, ASAP. And then I hear this running of the uh, footsteps and the door, you know, it was very dramatic. The door opens and the woman says, uh, we're prepping you for surgery now. And part of me was like, well, I really do have an ectopic pregnancy. Part of me was kind of thinking maybe it was just, you know, hysterical mother with a one-year-old that doesn't sleep. And within an hour, I was in the operating room. And I'm lucky because it was in Melbourne and there was a local hospital and, you know, the surgeon happened to be there. And I just had this feeling then, oh my God, I have an ectopic pregnancy. This is crazy. I, I, it was correct. Now, what happened was that when, when they put me under, of course, I had lied about where the pain was, which I still, I never lie. And it was actually on the other side. But when they went in, they went into the side where there was pain and they said that my, it, it wasn't there, my fallopian tube was twisted and it was on the other side. But what happened was I, was, I started hemorrhaging. Mm. And because I was asleep, I didn't know any of this was happening. But I had this crazy experience where I saw light. I, and I, you know, even though I read tarot cards, I'm a very skeptical scientific person. I like to read The Lancet. I like to read double blind placebo trials. But I saw light and I saw beings and and then i knew that this is this is this is uh, my life this is my destiny i'm okay i'm alive 
And when I woke up, they said to me, had they talk of pregnancy, we removed it, we had to remove your fallopian tube, and you lost a lot of blood, and you have to stay in hospital a few days, and I had to get a blood transfusion. But I remember I sat up in the bed, and I went, I'm alive! <laughs> it was, it was I, I was so ecstatic, because I'd listened to my intuition. And afterwards, they said to me, it, it was nearly, my tube was nearly about to burst. And it's the leading cause of death in women because it, it's like it's like it's not an artery but it's connected to the whole blood system and if it bursts and a woman doesn't get treated quickly she can die so my intuition saved my life and i'm so glad i listened to it and when i when i woke up i was even though i'd lost you know the fallopian tube and the baby that would have been a possibility of a child the fact that i'd really listened to my intuition so strongly from that moment it changed my life and then it was like from there it was like I've got to do the tarings I've got to do the psychic stuff I've got to listen to this voice wow so, that is a powerful story I've got goosebumps all over <laughs> me oh what a powerful story and thank you for sharing that with us I think that you have shared something really important that we need to trust and listen to that intuition and you're talking about something that I think so many HSPs have experienced where we know something's not right. We go to the doctor and they're like, I don't see anything wrong, go home. You know, and yeah. I, I, I have stories of that too. My family has stories of that. And I think it's so incredibly important to share that message that that intuition that we have is real and it's strong and we need to believe in it. And, you know, you shouldn't have to go through a process of, what you had to do to, to have somebody check. I lied. I never lie. Yeah. Like we should be able to go to a doctor and say, I really think that this is what I'm experiencing and I need you to check it. I mean, I think that is such a powerful story. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's amazing. I know you touched a lot of people listening to Yeah. <laughs> Sam says goosebumps, shivers and tears. Thanks for sharing. Enjoy. The thing is, it's like, it's not, it's not easy to listen to that inner voice because we're bombarded with so much information all the time and other people's emotions. And we're always trying to work out who am I, you know, am I feeling my stuff, their stuff? It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's tricky to learn how to have boundaries, to learn how to be in your body, to learn how to be grounded and centered and still hear that voice. Without, because sometimes what we do is we go okay in order for me to function in this world i have to shut down in order to you know live i have to shut down that voice inside so i can function or those sensations so it's that fine balancing act of like maintaining you know hearing listening to that inner voice and also not being bombarded by everybody else's stuff Yes, absolutely. That's the key, isn't it? To be able to and to slow down enough to listen to those those feelings that we get and the intuition. And some of us, it's really strong for us. And I've heard so many countless stories of HSP sharing. It's like, I, I knew this before everybody else knew it, or I had a feeling about this person or this situation, yeah. And, right? Yeah, for sure. And look, I, I, I don't feel I'm an expert because Every day I'm learning again. Every day I'm challenged to listen to that voice. I still make mistakes. I still sometimes don't listen to it. Like someone, you know, I can't think of an example now, but maybe someone would say, can you assist at this community event next week? And the voice will say no. And, but I'll go, yes, to be nice. <laughs> and then 
heck, why did I do that? You know, I'm exhausted. It was overwhelming. I did too much. So like, I, I'm, I'm still learning, you know? It's not we like I'm perfect and I hear that voice all the time and I listen all the time. You know, I'm glad you're saying that because I often talk about there's no such thing as perfection and nobody has everything absolutely figured out. But I think it's why it's so powerful to have conversations like this so yeah. that we can share that, you know, we have these experiences too. And I know Cecilia said the challenge is getting others to listen or believe you. But in fact, many people won't. Many people won't believe what we're feeling. Um, yeah. and, and that's not, that can't even be our goal. The goal has to be that we have to trust something inside of us that knows, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew there was always that social pressure to conform, to uh, do the right thing. You know, like, oh, why aren't you coming to the party tonight? Everybody's going to be there. I don't want to. I'm exhausted. I need to retreat, you know? Yeah. And then, but oh, you're being so selfish. Yep, today I am. <laughs> I'm practicing healthy, healthy, selfish. selfish. <laughs> Absolutely. It's challenging because, you know, 80% of the population doesn't have this trait. And I yeah. think that many of us uh, in this community uh, that we sort of get attracted to each other in terms of and connected to each other, we're, we score really high on the sensitivity scale. And I think there's some, there's a piece of that that's even different than a lot of HSPs. I mean, I think that the intuition and what we experience is so different than I mean, probably 95% of the population that it's really easy to feel like, wait a minute, you know, am I, and plus we've gotten those kind of messages in our life. Like, you know, why are you experiencing that? What's wrong with you? Why are you so sensitive? Why can't you go? Why well, everybody else is going, why can't you do it? You know, we hear these yeah. kinds of things and we feel that pressure, which is why it's so powerful to have conversations like this, that we have to listen to that internal guide. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, from a very early age, I had these, I never saw things, but I felt things. I would feel if there was, you know, beings in the room or someone would say something, but I knew that they were feeling the opposite. And so from a very early age, I could pick up a lot. I had like these antennae, you know, and then people would say, you're not feeling that, you're not sensing that, that's not okay. And when you get that message again and again and again, and then you go to school, which is very like, learn, learn, learn facts. And it's not about your heart. It's not about your body. It's not about listening to your body. It gets educated out of us. And then it's like this journey to come back to it. Like I did seven years of a Jungian depth psychotherapy. I went every two weeks for seven years, like digging, digging, trying, finding that voice again. It's, it's, you know, it's hard being a child and being that sensitive. And now I actually, my first son, he's like me. So I'm, I'm there, you know, navigating uh, how to deal with my son. So that's a whole new journey again for me. Yes, absolutely. I, I have two highly sensitive sons myself. And it's been interesting too, because uh, my parents didn't know about the trait and didn't give me the support I needed. So to be able to, to give that to them now. And I, I love that we have these conversations because I know that, you know, this is going to impact people hsps all over the world it's going to impact parents just that and that belief i was that way too i was so sensitive i still am so sensitive but being able to um learn how to you know be surrounded by other hsps who experience things the way you do and to validate your experiences and to, and to hear stories like yours where this is a real thing for us that we experience yeah. the world like this i remember having the ability to 
I could just either look at one of my kids or just like touch their skin and I would know like they're, they're going to get sick or there's, there's a fever coming yeah. or something before the thermometer would show it, yeah, like yeah, little yeah. things like that. I could just tell, I could read animals. Um, and I just had information. I didn't, I even had that, like, I used to do a lot more one-on-one work with clients. And I even had that with, uh, clients that I would be like, I would just, I don't even know where information would come from. I would just be like, I would know stuff before they yeah. would know it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really fascinating to have conversations about this kind of stuff. And it's interesting because I watched your, you, you had a video, I can't remember if it was on the website, but it was like an introduction to, to HSP and uh, highly sensitive people. And you talked about how, you know, thousands of years ago, we would have been the people probably that were the medicine women or the wise women or the wise men or, you know, the shamans in the tribe. And it's, it's uh, you know, for many, many thousands of years, we haven't had those positions because of, you know, the, the cultures and the, and the religions. And now I feel it's time to, to stand back in our power again and kind of like be the wise people for, you know, everyone around us. To be able to stand in our power, which is not easy, to stand in our power and, and, and help people, but not from a fixing point of view, from like a... I'm, I'm, I'm here and I can help you to help yourself. Yeah, I like that. I kind of consider myself a guide too, almost like this yes. imagining that like there's this jungle and it's like, I've been down several of these paths and I know this, if we take this path, this is, might be what we experience. And then being able to, I love what your message is in general about trusting and, and listening to that internal part of ourselves and that intuition. I want to know a little bit more about tarot and symbols and your experience with like when you when you put out cards, whether it's for yourself or for a client that, you know, how are you experiencing that when you see a card and you see the symbol, what's happening to you when you experience that? Okay. So it's a little bit different from when I read for myself, because if I'm very emotional, it's harder to read for myself. Like I've learned techniques and now I can, but it, it, when you're emotional, it's very hard to read for yourself because you're not objective. You're, you're too much in your cortisol, your brain, and not enough in the body and the feeling. Um, but now I can. But when I'm reading for others, I tend, uh, in the past, it was always, always face-to-face. -face. And it's only in the last three years I do Zoom calls or I do a, you know, a Facebook Messenger. But until three years ago, it was always face-to-face -face and I would feel in my body I would, I would basically say, I will, I'm going to open myself up now for this half an hour when I'm with this person. My heart's here. I'm full of love. I always bring love. Um, and I'm here. And then they'll come in and I'll get, doom. Like, it's like download of information. I'll, I'll hear a voice or I'll feel a feeling in my body or I might get a pain in my arm. I might, I might say, how's your health? I never diagnose or whatever. I might just say, it might be wise to go and have your checkup at the doctor or whatever. But I'll feel sensations in my body. If someone's, you know, grieving, I'll feel it in my throat or my chest. Um, I hear a voice, my voice inside me. I'll, I'll, I'll hear a number or a name. Um, but it's mostly auditory and physical. I don't tend to see things. I don't see guides or anything like that. Uh, and I don't particularly want to. It's like I don't want to be too bombarded. I think the information I get is usually enough. Because <laughs> I find, I find afterwards, like it's like I go and I open up and then I kind of kind of go, 
Now I've got to get back into my body because then I've got to go to the supermarket to buy uh, eggs to make the kids suffer. <laughs> I, <laughs> what I found, what I found in the last three years, I've done much more uh, because now I'm living in Israel and my Hebrew, it's getting better. But at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to make money doing tarot when they might not understand me and I might not understand them. Okay, I'm going to build a website. I'm going to get online. And so I started, I always said to myself, I will never, ever, ever do tarot readings uh, on Zoom or computer or email because it just won't work. I need them to be in the room. And it's not true. The minute you, uh, you connect, either if it's via email or, or Zoom, it's exactly the same experience because I believe that we're all connected. Everything's connected. We're all connected and, and they don't have to be in the room. So I get the same experience, like, you know, I'll hear a voice or I'll feel something in my body or it's kind of like sometimes I'm channeling. I'll just get very clear advice or very clear direction. And I always show the people the pictures because usually often a lot of my clients cry, but I don't make them cry. It's just because I say something and it touches them. And it's and gen, generally then when I show them the card, they cry more because that picture on that card exactly explains what their experience is at that moment. So like if there's anybody here, just you know, Google um, tarot cards. There's so many decks, but you could Google tarot cards grief and look at lots of different pictures of grief and, and see what those pictures say to you. There's so many different ways that artists portray it. Mm. So, yeah, it's, uh, That's beautiful. I've been hearing that a lot from different kinds of um, healers in the world that, that they're learning how to do it. Well, especially now with the pandemic, we're learning how to do exactly. a lot of things online and that it's working online for a lot of people. I love to, um, in general, because I think so many of us here are so connected and we've even had conversations in our community about having you know, a strong connection with someone where we're feeling what they're feeling. How do you because you talked about opening for that say that session how, what are your favorite ways to sort of close and reconnect to your to separate your your energy from someone else's because i think that's helpful for us to learn too they're very it's very very practical it's like because i want to be in my body physically i do very physical things like if if it's the last client of the day i will go and have a shower and i usually make it like I start a cold and then hot, kind of like to shock me and get me back in my body. And I get Epsom salts. Sorry, there's a mosquito in here. <laughs> I get Epsom salts and I rub, I rub it on my body. It's like I'm getting back into my body. Yeah, and it really works. I eat, I eat something uh, heavy, like protein is heavy, like a protein bar, a muesli bar, or a, you know, a, a something with, uh, I eat meat. I found for me, I was vegetarian for seven years and I, I because I was already psychic, empathic, HSP, for me, I just floated into space. So for me, for me, I'm one of these people that a little bit once a month keeps me uh, grounded. But um, uh, I find that like eating any protein or going out into nature or into the park or into the garden and taking my shoes off, and touching the ground at my feet, or sometimes even just, you know, sitting on the ground. So for me, they're all physical things. It's not like things I say or things... Uh, like an energetic bubble or imagine white light. No, it's very, very practical. It's like eating, drinking, shower, nature. And if I can't do any of those things, then I might just like jump on the spot, like, you know, like, you know, and feel that feeling in my belly, like, and tell myself I'm getting back into my body. And, and all of those work really well for me. 
Oh, I love hearing that. I also do that. I love putting my feet into the grass or into the earth and, and, um, and sort of cleansing with water in between when I'm, when I'm needing that. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, a couple questions coming up. Linda's asking, did you say in the shower that you rub the Epsom salts onto your skin in the shower? Yes. Are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I study in aromatherapy, so I, I, make, I make nice Epsom salts. I put in lavender or whatever, or sometimes citrus if I want to wake up. And it's not like I'm scrubbing really hard, but I'm rubbing it in and it's making me all over my body. It's making me get into, get back into my body. It's also really good for cellulite, <laughs> for the legs. Oh, and relaxing and sleeping good. A lot yeah, of good. Exactly. I love my epical bath. <laughs> That's like a, such a treat. Um, yeah. Jill's asking, do you think that your gift of being a tarot reader is enhanced because of your being an HSP? Definitely. I think, uh, I think it's the other way around. I think that all HASPs can read tarot without even picking up a book or doing anything. They could just get a set of cards and look at the picture and they'll know. They don't need training. That's, that's what I believe. Uh, I'm putting myself out of business there for the 20% on the planet. But <laughs> I honestly, I feel that I'm a good tarot reader because I'm an HSP. Um, I think, I think for, for me, it comes so easily and so naturally. And I'm sure for many people here at what as well because yeah. you know we pick up on so much information and you know like I don't know about you but when I hear music I cry if I see a beautiful painting I cry I cry anyway you know but it's 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 like that sense of a, a heightened awareness yeah I know it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful gift to have that. I mean, I, I feel that way too. I can cry looking at a beautiful bird outside or the sunset or it's yeah. just like just this overwhelming feeling takes over me. And that's what I always tell HSPs. It's like, yes, we, we might have some more challenges it being so sensitive, but there's so many amazing gifts with it. If you can balance out the challenges. Yeah, so many gifts, so many gifts. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. Um, okay, there's a question from Becca. Are, you, are there images on the cards that you're constantly drawn to? Neat question. That's a great question. The thing is, uh, there are like, I guess there's around 2,000 tarot decks. And you get tarot readers and they collect and collect and collect. And I'm actually super fussy. So I've only got about 40 tarot decks and about 30 oracle decks. So for someone reading as long as I am, not a lot. But... Uh, there would be certain images I would be really drawn to, and I, I'm afraid I didn't. Uh, I've got I've got a tarot deck with me. This is my latest big love. It's called the Lightseer's Tarot. You can get it on Book Depository or Amazon. But what I like about it is it's completely inclusive to all colors of skin, all cultures, all uh, genders, and I believe there's more than two. I like, agree. <laughs> it covers everything, and the colors are beautiful, and it's like there's men and women in it. But I think that what I, my favorite image is the Empress. It's one of the major arcana cards. It's number three in the major arcana cards. And it's usually a pregnant woman or a woman in her glory who's completely in her body and totally intuitive, like both. So it's not, it's not like, you know, like some people think psychic intuitive. So they, you know, they wear black and crystals and whatever, you know. It's like, this is a woman who's earthy, grounded, and she's fully in her intuitive power. And I think that's my favorite. Like if anybody after this wants to Google tarot card images, Empress, oh, so many thousands of beautiful pictures. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And Jill and Tina are asking a couple of questions about, Tina's asking like, do you have um, a deck to, that you think that is good to try first? And Jill's asking um, if there's a deck that you use like for particular clients or do the clients choose the deck? Ah, okay. They're good, two good questions. So traditionally what we say, like most people that teach tarot is, the, there's a deck called the Rider Weight Deck. It's R-I-D-E-R, Weight, W-A-I-T-E, the Rider Weight Deck. It's super cheap, you can get it anywhere, any bookstore, Amazon, Book Depository. And it's, it was published in 1909. And nearly 90% of all tarot decks have the same imagery as that one. And why it's a good deck to start off with is because it's very simple. The pictures are very easy to understand. And once you know that deck, you can read about 90% of all tarot decks. Um, and if you don't want to do that and you want to go way off, this is not a traditional tarot deck. The pictures are not necessarily traditional, the light series tarot. I think this is fantastic for the 21st century. I think for people like us, it's amazing. And this is, this is the deck I use a lot now. Now, when I'm reading for clients, I have loads of different decks. Like if I get an Irish woman, I might pick a Celtic deck where she relates to the red-haired women and the animals and the plants in Ireland. You know, I have like this mother piece deck. It's a round deck. And I read that more for women who uh, see themselves as lesbian or gay because there's a lot of that imagery there. And uh, I've got a deck that's very black and white and heavy. And some people love to pick that because they're feeling heavy and they want the imagery. So like when I'm doing physical readings in a room, I usually, I, ha I have this intuition, bring this one, this one, this one, and this one. And I lay them out and I let the, I let the person pick. But when I'm doing a, like on Zoom, usually I will, usually nowadays it's this one, I pick this one. Wow, this has just been so fascinating talking with you. I, I mean, I, I think it, you're, you sound so genuine and I think it'd be really interesting for people to come and check out your website. So can you share um, how people can find you and what they would, what would they would find if they find you? What do you encourage them to look up? Okay, so I've got a website called tarotforwomen.com. Obviously, if there's any guys here, you can go check it out as well. All the principles are the same. And when you get to the, the homepage, you can click and there's a free e-course. And I think everybody here would like it because I don't talk about the mind. I, it's all about the body. It's about looking at the picture and sensing and hearing that inner voice. So it's really, it's, it's all about intuition from the beginning. And that's free. You can just sign up for it. I have a blog, loads and loads of articles. I have a free high priestess meditation. For men who want to get in touch with their inner woman or women that want to get in touch with their inner, you know, wise woman, uh, that's free as well. They can download it. Um, I have a Facebook group and I do uh, trainings there. I have a few e-courses. Yeah, lots of stuff there. Wonderful. I saw your website. It's very good. Like there's so much good stuff on. So definitely recommend people check it out. And we will put all the links to that in the show notes too. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us before we say goodbye today? I think uh, the main thing is just um, if, if you really find out who you are and you know who you are, and that takes time. Sometimes it means going to psychotherapist. Sometimes it means lots of journaling or whatever work you need to do. But once you know who you are and what you want and what you like and what you don't like, 
then your boundaries are more clear and then your intuitive inner voice and your inner knowing is stronger. So, you know, that like the thing about the Delphic Oracle where they have it, it says, know thyself. I think that's, that's the core, know yourself. And then after that, go out into the world and everything will feel much clearer. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love it. And wow, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. for being such a great example of sensitive empowerment. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and your time. And I'm really excited for people to check out your website and everything that you offer. And thank you for being here today. Thank you. It was really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we got some people doing hearts. I love it. Oh, such a beautiful thing. Thank you, Sensitive Empowerment Community, for always being such a great, enriching part of our experience. And um, wow, I love it. So anybody that's interested in learning about how to join some of these live events or you want to be able to read show notes and stuff like that, you can go to my website at juliebielen.com or sensitiveconnection.com. So thank you again for being with us, everybody, and for everything that you're offering in the world. And I hope everybody's taking good care of themselves out there. Bye, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Maybe you've learned a little bit more about yourself. And especially, I want you to know how valuable you are in the world and that sensitivity has many gifts and part of what we need to do is learn how to balance a sensitive nervous system and to reframe how we think about sensitivity and create a paradigm shift where sensitivity is valued and honored and that is a part of my mission. I hope you'll enjoy all the resources that I offer, HSPs, we have a sensitivity quiz, a letter to give your doctor and medical professionals, mental health professionals. We have a calming guide that can calm your brain and you can connect to my books and courses and all the podcast episodes and the HSP blog, so many things for you on my website juliebelland.com or sensitiveconnection.com. Hope to spend time with you in my sensitive empowerment community. Take good care of yourself.